Support for Akron Adventures comes from the University of Akron, which serves 22,000 students and offers more than 300 associate, bachelor's, master's, doctorate, and law degree programs. To learn more about the region's most influential public research university and how it can help you achieve success, visit uakron.edu. That's uakron.edu. Snow Day Productions presents the season finale of Bones in the Dark, Episode 6. Reggie walked quickly down the white-walled hallways of the Daily Ledger. A few adults looked curiously at her, but she didn't have time to be concerned with them. She was headed for the writer's room, where she could track down Ronnie Carter, one of the local history writers for the paper. Reggie had received a phone message from her that morning that Ronnie wanted to talk with her about the Taylor Park mystery, hear her understanding of the story. Reggie was surprised by the message. She wasn't sure how Ronnie had found out about her and her friend's investigation. Maybe Lisa called her, she thought to herself. She really didn't know since she hadn't spoken to Maya, Henry, or Lisa since the library. After the surprise and confusion had worn off, though, Reggie couldn't get out the door and over to the newspaper office fast enough. She spotted the writer's room up ahead. Once inside, she navigated through a sea of nearly identical desks until she found the gold nameplate for Ronnie Carter. Ronnie was facing away from her and sorting through what looked to Reggie like endless emails. She coughed first to announce herself. <clears throat> Excuse me, are you Ronnie Carter? I am indeed. You must be Reggie. Yeah, and this is... Reggie stopped short and winced slightly as she remembered that her friends weren't standing next to her. I mean, yes, I'm Reggie Walker, she recovered. It's good to meet you, Reggie. Have a seat, said Ronnie, motioning to the chair behind her. I was hoping you could tell me about the investigation you've been leading at Taylor Park. Your friend's message mentioned something about a dead body, if I heard correctly. So one of them had called her, Reggie thought to herself. With how abruptly things ended between them, she was hopeful that some part of their friendship remained intact. This phone call was a good sign. Well, I should probably start at the beginning, said Reggie, and Ronnie nodded back at her. Last week, my friends and I took this shortcut through Taylor Park at night, and we found... Just then, there was a commotion by the door to the writer's room. Reggie turned to find Maya, Henry, and Lisa barreling through the newsroom in her direction, a security guard chasing closely behind them. The sight of them made her heart skip a beat. It was the first time she'd seen them since their epic fight at the library. And in that moment, she felt an overwhelming sense of relief that maybe they could salvage their relationships. But she also felt guilty for not trying to make amends sooner. We're here. We got your message. We're... Lisa was cut off as Henry slammed into the back of her, knocking her and Maya both off balance. And who are all of you? Ronnie asked. Just some troublemakers, Ronnie. The security guard had caught up to them. I'll take care of this, he said. Rude, said Maya. We were totally invited. Yeah, we're the ones who called. We're here to give you a story about Taylor Park, said Lisa. Lisa locked eyes with Reggie and gave her a reassuring nod. All of Reggie's concerns melted away. They were in this together from the start, and they would see it through to the end, together. What they said, Henry added. They're telling the truth. We do have a story, Reggie said, turning to look at Ronnie. You ask me what we found? Well, this is it. There are bodies in Taylor Park. Hundreds. They've been there for decades, maybe more. There was this poorhouse over a hundred years ago, and the city put all these people there that they didn't like. Unwed mothers and farmers and the disabled. But they all had one thing in common. They were destitute. 
Reggie said, remembering the word from the old records in the library. And then they buried them all in unmarked graves when they died. And now we're all playing soccer on top of them, Reggie finished, completely out of breath. Okay, kids, you've had your little joke. That's enough, let's go. The security guard motioned with his hand for them to move it along. Wait, Lisa half shouted. We have evidence, we can show you. There are pictures and maps and newspaper clippings, some of them from your own paper, like a hundred years ago. And Lisa signaled to Henry and Maya, and they all started rummaging through the bags they had with them. Lisa pulled what looked like a stack of photocopies out of her bag, but her hand faltered and the pages flew everywhere, landing in disarray all across the floor and Ronnie's desk. All four of them dropped to their knees and frantically worked to get the papers back in order, but Ronnie was focused on a single page that now sat on top of her desk. It was a copy of a very old photograph that pictured a startlingly gothic-looking building. The caption caught her attention. Hillcrest Infirmary, erected 1864. Look, kids. The security guard started with a twinge of sympathy, but Ronnie waved him off. I've got it, Jerry. Thank you. Ronnie waited for him to depart and then returned her attention to the kids, who were still on the floor, whispering to each other and trying to reorganize what she now realized was research. Actual research. Why don't you all sit and start at the beginning? My afternoon just opened up. You believe us? Lisa asked from her position on the floor. Ronnie smiled. I'm open to being convinced. Looks like you've done your due diligence. Our do what? said Maya. Ronnie smiled. You've done your homework. Let's see what you've got. Kids are so annoying, said Henry, as a group of kids who looked to be about six years old raced past them, brushing up against him as they tried to tag each other. He frowned, watching them race toward the trees across Taylor Park in the early spring sunshine. Maya laughed. Yeah, I just heard a teenager say the same thing about you, she said, elbowing him to show she was kidding. Yeah, doubtful. I totally could pass for 14. Lisa snorted. Not in your newspaper photo, she teased. When the story broke in the Daily Ledger two months earlier, the newspaper had printed a photo of the four of them with the mayor, who had shaken them each by the hand, which was really weird, but also kind of cool. Henry still complained that the photographer had made him look short. Reggie was quiet, looking around at the hundreds of people who'd gathered in the park. There was a TV crew surrounding the mayor, Ronnie Carter, and some other important-looking grown-ups she didn't recognize. There were a bunch of folding chairs set up in orderly rows in front of a veiled statue that looked huge under its thick white cover. And just to the side of the statue, a small stage had been built, with a microphone on a stand and a few chairs facing out toward where the audience would sit. Reggie saw her mom, who was talking to Lisa's parents, and all three women looked over at the kids and waved. Looks like you did it, said a low woman's voice. And Reggie turned to see Dr. Graves approaching. Congratulations. Hi, Dr. Graves, said Henry. What are you doing here? I thought you didn't do archaeology in Akron. Well, I don't, but several of my colleagues do. I'm here to support them. And, of course, I'm quite proud to have met the principal players in this mystery that's been solved. She means us, Lisa, said Maya, eyeing her friend who looked a little confused. Oh, said Lisa, thanks. But what do you mean, supporting your colleagues? Well, it isn't public yet, but certainly if anyone deserves to know, it's you four. She leaned in and spoke in a quiet, conspiratorial tone. I've been working on a new piece of equipment with some others that allows us to capture images of objects underground, depending on their density, without having to dig everything up. We're going to pilot the equipment here. We'll be able to have a sense of what's below the surface, and then when we dig, we'll disturb the area far less and we can pinpoint where to dig. It's efficient, and it's respectful of the dead. 
I assume you approve, since all of this is because of your insistence on remembering and respecting those who died here. That's awesome, Dr. Graves, said Reggie solemnly. Thank you for telling us. My pleasure. Enjoy the day. You've earned it. I'm going to find a seat now. It looks like the ceremony is about to start. Afterward, Reggie couldn't have told you what exactly the mayor said up on the stage. He talked about Akron, about community and neighborhoods, and something about his upcoming re-election. He also talked about the importance of remembering the past, looking at it squarely because it's how we become better. Reggie liked that part, and for just a minute, Lisa, who sat next to her in the audience, clasped her hands in hers. Maya smacked her gum through the whole speech, which annoyed Henry, and then it was time to unveil the statue. A local artist who was pretty famous had volunteered to make it, but the design had been a huge secret. The mayor stepped away from the mic and looked at the statue, where the artist had two fistfuls of the white cover and was about to pull it off and reveal the memorial that would stand in Taylor Park forever, commemorating the people who'd lived and died at Hillcrest Infirmary. Gone, but no longer forgotten. When the cloth was pulled away and the enormous statue revealed, Reggie heard gasps and registered the enthusiastic applause all around her, but she stood silent, looking, just looking, and taking it in. It was made of a shining silver metal, with a darker gray-black in the creases and crevices, creating shadows and depth. A small group of people stood together, fused to one another, seeming larger and stronger for their close proximity than they would have alone. There was a woman, young, carrying a baby, a little boy with a twisted leg that pulled one of his shoulders down lower than the other, an old man, his face creased with age and a lifetime spent working outdoors in the harshest conditions, his back bent but head held high. There was an old woman with a kind of shawl over her head and long flowing clothes, and a young girl, maybe 12 or 13, whose curly hair made Reggie think she could have been her cousin, or even her sister. Wow, said Lisa next to her. Yeah, said Reggie. It's something, isn't it? said Maya, and Henry nodded as they walked away when the ceremony had concluded. Without a plan, they somehow found themselves walking toward the trees at the center of Taylor Park, where they'd taken that fateful shortcut in the snow the night of Mrs. Jenkins' party. They paused under the trees, whose branches popped with tiny pale green leaves. The ground, no longer covered in mud and snow, and human bones struggling to make themselves known at last, was instead awash in purple crocuses. So, what's next? asked Henry. Food, said Lisa, with more authority than she typically exhibited. Reggie laughed. I could eat. Yeah, but I mean, this was a cool thing we did. Reggie, you held us all together and made it happen. We're a good team. So, what's next? Reggie couldn't stop the grin that broke across her face. I don't know, Henry, but I'm guessing we'll stumble onto something. Akron Adventures is written and produced by Marlia Weiss, Julie Drew, and Casey Shevlin. Our theme music is written and recorded by Philip Anderson. You can hear more from him at philipandersonmusic.com. Support for Bones in the Dark comes from Spring Garden Waldorf School and Chill Artisan Ice Cream Company. If you like the Akron Adventures podcast, rate and review it on iTunes. Your positive reviews help us to continue writing and producing quality programming for kids. And they're a really nice read for us, too. Thanks for listening. And be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Snow Day Podcasts for special activities, plus insights into the next Akron adventure, available this June.